Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Paul Sullivan of the Chicago Tribune was at the general manager's meetings in Arizona. And he seemed to find you everywhere he went, Bruce Levine. Well, he's done that for the last 30 years. He's actually... Is he looking for you? Well, no, I mean, he just posted, you know, many pictures of me being in all the... With all the uh, general managers and players. And uh, he's, you know, he's my biggest fan out there. Paul Sullivan joins us on Inside the Clubhouse. And, Paul, thanks for taking some time out on a Saturday morning and... You know, somebody has to play Zelig, and I guess it's me. Uh, I w- my only disappointment was you didn't have your canary yellow shirt on, which is always my <laughs> wow. favorite of the GM meetings. That's well, that that woman was in the shop. You can't come off like a Pirates fan, though. You can't. You got to worry about uh, I, that. I, I can, t- I can take me. that as so many levels of uh, you know shot, but because I, I love Paulie and uh, we've been uh, on the same. Uh, you know, working the same beats for the last thirty years, it's it's done with affection. Uh, yes, it was uh, it was a lot of fun, and uh, I would have to say that you are amazing, Bruce. I don't know how you do it, but you are always right there. And do you know the reason why? Because you're you know where to go. No, but you I mean, what... why I need to be uh, not not in the picture, but close to the person that we're interviewing. Because you ask a lot of questions. No, no, that's oh. that's that's what? the annoying part of it, right? Oh. That's no. What's I mean, the reason? Let's the reason hear. is that we get radio sound for the radio station, <laughs> and oh. that's why we have to be close. Because if you're off mic, the sound yeah. is no good. Yeah, like I was behind. Matt just uh, Matt just started like coughing and laughing, but it, it's it's factually true. <laughs> no, I understand. Yeah. But uh, but there's also well, there's there's a beautiful a beautiful deference and respect that takes place for Bruce not, across this not, baseball yeah. land of ours. Not Isn't there, usually, Sully? Not usually. Very much so. Very yes. much so. And I have sharp elbows as well. Sully, you just got back from the GM meetings. Uh your takeaway for Cubs and Sox, you know, what you were able to uh Get yourself out of that, and what are the, what are your general feelings about both teams and the direction they're taking? Uh, I think it's really going to be a fascinating offseason uh, for both teams. Um, it was really interesting listening to to the both of them, and and I think that's the one um, thing that they both said was that they weren't going to engage in any of the uh, rumor mills <laughs> in the off season, which is. You know what? What is the hot stove without rumors? It's kind of like uh, drinking non-alcoholic beer. So I don't really understand that part of it because I mean people are very interested in what's going on with both teams. But I do like the idea that the Sox have money to spend and and they seem willing to spend it. And uh, as for the Cubs, uh, Theo is really playing it close to the vest, but uh, definitely he's looking for uh, some changes and uh, it's just a matter of uh which of the big stars is going to go I, I think at least one of them um my my bet is wilson but uh you know we'll see 
But they're actively engaged in conversations on all those guys. And overall, do you feel like Theo is thinking about the organization's health and well-being longer than just the two years remaining on his contract, Sully? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, he even said that. I mean, uh, that would be very unlike Theo to just be thinking about, you know, I got to win before my contract's up because, you know, he's basically got a contract for life. Let's face it, I, I really would be shocked to see the Ricketts not give him whatever he wanted to stick around. But the only thing with Theo is, you know, he, he came in talking about his uh, 10 year thing where mm-hmm. and it was Bill Walsh or someone told him that, uh, you know, always think in terms of 10 years and, uh, and think about change and new challenges. And, and he's such an intelligent guy. And, um, you know, I just would think that maybe he would like a new challenge after, 10 years with the Cubs. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I would love to see him go into politics myself. I think he would, he would definitely be an improvement over a lot of the people we see in Congress, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think he'll Congress, get that what's wrong with president. Well, I don't know. It's a, you know, one at a time, Bruce. Can't, can't anybody run for president? He only now? had one world series with, the <laughs> I mean, maybe a couple more and then you'll think about it, but yeah. You know, I would say that, boy, I've got some great dirt on Theo of things we've, you know, things I've seen late at night, but it doesn't mean, seem to matter anymore. You mean the human element? The actually... <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore. I'm sure there's well, a dossier. Got, well, it. it doesn't matter. I'm sure if there's a dossier it, it out there involving fluids it, and foreign governments, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because Matt wants to continue to be able to work in sports radio. Well, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. we're never going to hear it. I fear nothing. <clears throat> but, I vote uh, for him. I'll say that. Uh, you know, I mean... I, I pretty much align with him uh, politically speaking, I would think. As far as uh, the Cubs and the Bryant situation, do you, in your mind, do you have any more clarity as to whether or not uh, he will be dealt, or do you, you think it it is really predicated on his signability uh, for the future for the Cubs and, uh, and Chris Bryant? Yeah, um, I, I think I'm – I don't know if we agree on this, but, uh, you know, I – I don't think they can keep both Ryan and Javi because they're both going to be 300 million in mm-hmm. that range players. So that's why I think uh, they're probably talking with both of them about long term, and you know whichever one they think they can get, the, the, that's probably the one they'll want to keep. But uh, you know, if they think either of them is going to be costing less than 300 million, you know, I mean, I think that's a pipe dream and. If I was Javi, I would definitely not re-sign for uh, any team-friendly uh, contract because, uh, you know, he's going to make a fortune. He, he His act would play anywhere in America or Toronto. I mean, he's such a charismatic charismatic player. So Yeah, the system, um, Sully, the system seems to be broke because it used to be the team would win the first contract with a player and then the player would make it big later on. Now, you know... The Cub players have all said, "You know what? We'll we'll wait till we're free agents. We we'll use the arbitration system to make our money now." And Bryant's going to end up making probably sixty to seventy million dollars in arbitration before he even becomes a free agent. Yeah, but I think another thing that you know maybe we don't think of is that uh, they want to be known as three hundred million dollar players and. uh they want to be in that category with the Bryce Harper and the Mike Trout and that. And it's not, you know, it's kind of an ego thing. And, uh, you know, and a union it, it, thing. at this point in a union thing, I mean, mm-hmm. what's the difference between 
you know, how much did you say he made already? He'll, he'll make 70. Okay. Uh, I, I'm estimating around 70 through 2021. Yeah, so 70 million. You could live with that for a few, uh, you know, centuries. Not media <laughs> people. We can't live on that. Uh, yeah, we could live off $100 uh, you know, <laughs> a day. Easily. Uh, but I don't know. It, 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 the thing to me is that, uh, you know, one of them's going to stay, one of them's going to go, and uh, this doesn't have to be the off season where they figure that out. It would be nice to see both of them back and, you know, the Cubs go for it um, again with, you know, with the new manager and the new TV station and everything. But uh, in reality, this is, you know, two years left. This is the time you got to, you know, you know, make a choice on one of them. Do you have, do you have any sense for what mar- the marquee network is going to bring uh, even if it is not this year, do you have any sense for what kind of uh, revenue bump and availability there's going to be for baseball operations? No, I'm not that uh, much into the the numbers on the TV. Phil Rosenthal might have a better, you know, take on that. I think it is interesting that they don't have Comcast uh, deal done yet because obviously I think most people in Chicago have Comcast cable, and uh, that would be the if they weren't on Comcast, then that would be a, a very bad thing for uh, most Cub fans. So uh, that's one that really bears watching. But I think, you know, as far as the, how much money they'll bring in from the TV network, they're only going to go as far as the luxury ta- tax threshold either way. So, I mean, that money is just going to be more profit for them. They already make enough money. Um, it's just a matter of whether how much they want to go over the luxury tax and it looks like they don't want to. Paul Sullivan of the Tribune joining us for just a couple more minutes on Inside the Clubhouse. Paul, um, you, I lost you there for a second. Paul, you, um, do you look at the White Sox and say they must win 85 yeah. to 90 games this year? And uh, do you feel that same feeling from Rick Hahn as you talk to him at the meetings? Um, I think Rick Hahn wouldn't say that because he didn't want to be pinned to it and then, you know, have us throw it in his face if they didn't do it. But, yeah, I think definitely he thinks that they should, you know, be over 500 at the very least. And, um, you know, depending on what they do this offseason, potentially contending for a division title. I don't think they would be one of the wild card teams. I don't think they're uh, that talented. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of people don't really buy into the Twins, even though they won like 97 games last year. Over 100. Uh, I, think they won, 100. They, I think it was oh, 100. I think it was 100. Yeah, they got there. Yeah. they. Uh, I mean, there was actually like 28 games behind them, but they, you know, people seem to think, well, yeah, we could we could beat the Twins. So, uh, And Cleveland's kind of unloading some of the stars. They might even trade Kluber. So uh, that would be their route, you know, 80 Nine ninety wins would win it, but I don't know. They had a very bad second half this year, and I think people forget that. So it is a long climb to playoffs, um, but they definitely should do whatever they can this off season to at least another starter, at least an outfielder, and uh, hopefully more than that. Do you um you think Jerry Reinsdorf will will spend as much as he can possibly? 
spend in terms of just the willingness. They might have to overspend to get certain guys. I think it was proven last year, at the very least, you have to give people what they want. You were talking about the egos. These guys want to be $300 million players, or some of them want whatever they want. They're they're going to get it. Um, do you think they learned from last year in that way? Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure, really, because, uh, you know, Bruce asked uh, Han one of the more important questions I thought of the of the winter was uh, – you know, are you willing to pay the price for these elite starting pitching pitchers that are? And this is a market with a lot of starting pitching, but uh, you know, these guys are going to ask for five, six-year deals. Uh, you know, twenty million plus a year. So, uh, you know, the Sox really maybe they destroyed the narrative that they won't spend big money by going after Machado, but they still have that narrative that they won't spend on on you know big money on free agent starters. So uh, I think that's going to be interesting to watch because there's a lot of them out there. I don't think they'd go after like the Strasburg or uh, uh, Garrett Cole, but uh, definitely a Bumgarner or uh, someone like that, Zach Wheeler. There's, there's, this is a really big market for that this year. In closing with you, Sully, do you think the Cubs are on hold until they figure out whether they can sign Baez, Bryant, Contreras, Schwarber, uh, that that will be the driving force as to what the off season is like for the Cubs. Um, I don't know. I, I could see them uh, trading uh, Contreras before they made a decision on, on you know Javi and Bryant. But uh, yeah, I think uh, they all are intertwined there, and definitely you know if they make one big move early, then you know maybe uh, Bryant or Javi would say. Oh, geez. Well, maybe if I want to be a Cub for life, then I better do this now. So, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of different ways they can go. And, uh, you know, we didn't even talk about the rotation. You were talking earlier. Yep. Man, after Darvish and Kyle, you know, what else do you have after uh, this year? So, uh, they've got to do that. They've got a lot of uh, spots in the bullpen they have to fill. Uh, they don't know if Kimbrell is really, you know, the guy, or at least I don't know that. I think. He's raised a lot of doubts last year. So, um, no, both teams, it's, it's really going to be fun to watch. Sully, uh, keep up the great work. It was It's always been fun over the last 30 years working uh, next to you and competing with you for stories and just well, – not uh, always, Bruce. Come on. Well, no. <laughs> Mostly. Well, I Mostly. mean, <laughs> you know, I, I've always enjoyed it, but, you know – you know, uh, I think maybe the last seven or eight years, there's been a detente, hasn't there? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. no it's, we it's, always appreciate uh, the Bruce Levine effect on a press conference. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and there's there's always there's always somebody to blame for it going 15 or 16 <laughs> minutes, and it's, it's usually uh, me with those stupid questions. Hey, Sully, thanks again for All joining right, us. Uh, we'll see you uh, for sure at the winter meetings, okay? Yeah, definitely. All right, take care. Thanks, Paul. Paul Sullivan, who does such a great job uh, on the Tribune, and I've really enjoyed his work even more over the last six or seven years since he's able to be the uh, columnist and float between White Sox, Cubs, and national issues. It's uh, something that um, a lot of newspapers have gone away from. Now they allow most of their beat guys to uh, be the columnist as well, and uh, I think he does a great job doing. Yeah, it really continues the tradition of uh, the Sunday National Baseball columnist. Yeah, the, the one that Peter uh, Peter Gammons invented yep. uh, back at the Boston Globe many many years ago.
I, I, I remember waiting for my Sunday paper so I could see the list of batting average, RBI, and home run leaders for the entire league, and I'd look through to find my guys and see where they were. Now it's a little bit easier to track that stuff. And Gammons would write an entire page, and for people who don't know what the Boston Globe looked like back then, the page was about three feet long. You know, it's it's the longest page in the history of newspapers. Uh, they don't make pages like that anymore. But what I'm saying is Peter would write 3,000 words every Sunday on a myriad of national and local subjects. And uh, mm-hmm. he was he's he was the standard for everybody else uh, going forward as far as Sunday's, uh, Sunday baseball columns. We've got a lot of stuff we want to get to between now and 1145. That's right. We're on until 1145 today. Uh, we do not have any more guests. Uh, we do have phone lines open at 312-644-6767. So let's... Let's spread all fields and talk to fans of both sides, Bruce. And we've got audio from Scott Boris that you grabbed during the week at the GM meetings that will uh, instruct the conversation a bit. We'll do that next on 670 The Score. This hour of which is brought to you by Team Hochberg. Visit their new website, 56david.com. That's 56david.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Old St. Nick delivers once a year. Young St. Nick's delivers all season, so you've you've got a a pretty good market for that kind of player. Oh, it's Scott Boris comedy season. We've reached that point in the calendar, Bruce Levine. He's here every night. Playing zanies. Be sure to tip his 150 people that he works works for. Hey, uh, he wasn't quite as funny this year at the GM meetings. I thought his material was weak. There was no... There was no strong feeling behind the fact that uh, he was in charge. He it, he deferred to the players' union on many issues. I saw many many issues that he would never do that before. And uh, I think uh, he he realizes his way over the last two years has really not moved the needle as far as free agency for players and getting the job done. His threats, his ideas that what owners should be paying attention to have had little impact. So Hmm. he's now back to a cohesive front uh, with the union leading the way. Interesting. Um, Let's hear Scott Boris, the mega agent who's got what, eight of the top 15, something like that. Yep. Um, of the free agents this particular offseason. Let's hear him talk about the White Sox uh, because they'll be the aggressors on some of the bigger names much more so than the Cubs. This is Scott Boris talking about the White Sox and kind of where they stand as a team right now. Certainly the White, White Sox need veteran players and they, they, you know, because they have such great young players and you're trying to create that mix all the time of doing that. And um, um, so I, 
I readily foresee there's a lot of fits that could go in there and 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 really advance uh, what they've built to date. That's Boris talking about the veterans and how it's time for that. Uh, here's him talking about Jerry Reinsdorf and how it works for them structurally, especially in regards to spending money. I think the relationship between Rick and Jerry is more relevant to because, you know, Rick is obviously operating the process there and and his design and plan and and Jerry putting a stamp of approval on it. That's what I think is the most relevant to the advancement of the of the White Sox. So Jerry putting his stamp of approval on it is relevant, that that's the way it works. So Han says, hey, let's do this, but Jerry's got to be the one to say yay or nay on the money. That's nothing new, is it? Here's one more from Boris on that, and if that's uh, if that's the way – let's listen to this closely. Um, if that's the way that Han wants it, if that's the way Boris is saying it should be, those kind of questions. Jerry's a very competitive guy, and, and I think he uh, – I think he wants his people and his team to, you know, really be the decision makers at this point. And I, I think he uh, uh, certainly gives them authority. But in the end, I think he wants their model. And uh, and certainly that's been voiced to me by Rick. So basically what he's saying is, is that um, his functionality, uh, getting his players to the White Sox have been not working over the past 20 years. Uh, the he uh, he looked by White Sox uh, interest in Alex Rodriguez in 2000 to the point where uh, Tom Hicks bid up that contract to a, a record $250 million, which still stands as one of the highest in baseball history 20 years later, man. Amazing, amazing. And um, the White Sox uh, relationship with Boris has never been good. Um, they've had his players because they've they've signed them as draft picks. They've, they've brought them on scouted him, signed him. Uh, but the relationship's never been good. I think what uh, Scott's saying is he's looking for more communication with Rick mm-hmm. than he might have had with Jerry in the past. And he thinks he could get Rick to say yes to what his players want, whereas Jerry has been the guy to step up and say, that's ridiculous, I'm not giving well, you Well, you know what, to a certain extent that might work because uh, Rick and uh, Kenny Williams do have a lot of say-so as to who they're going after. As we know, Jerry has the final say-so, yay or nay, if they're going to pay the contract. I I hear that, and I think about the 250 with the incentives that they offered Machado when they wanted him, as opposed to the 300 flat that he was offered and got in San Diego. Yeah, he could have made more with the White Sox. And I, I, we don't need to go back and relitigate the contract, but it, it's less guaranteed. No, I'm telling you the fact. I know, but but it's less guaranteed, which is the guaranteed Friday money. Right, the guy wouldn't bet on himself, right? <laughs> I agree. Okay, again, I'm, I'm going to let the, those things just fly No, away. I mean, they're facts. We're going to talk about them. Uh, okay, but it's it's really it's taking me off the point. So the 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 idea of saying 250 versus... 300, which is what drove Machado away, sounds like very much a Jerry statement. And that Boris, and speaking for other agents, is hoping that Han gets to say, you know, maybe he thinks he can push Han around more than Jerry because Jerry's a very tough guy. Anytime that you're going to spend 150, 200, 300 million, Every owner in sure. baseball will be involved in the yes or the no. Right. The learners are a yes every time. The learners in Washington. Only to Boros. You know, <laughs> it's only to Boros. He, he wishes the learners he, were the Ryan's. And, and as it turned out now, 
they feel pretty good about that because a couple of those clients helped them win a World Series. This sure, year. sure, and they'll, and they'll, they're I don't most people suspect they're going to sign Strasburg immediately. I mean the the, the feeling uh, that I got at the meetings was Strasburg was more a priority initially than Rendon. All right, so you know for White Sox fans who think they can't that, sign both for yeah. White Sox fans who think that Jerry's limitations are the problem. This is Boris speaks to them. But do you think Boris is just speaking for Boris and trying to get Of course. More? That's I what mean, he always Their, their is, relationship right? sucks. Right. It has for a long time. There's no trust on either side. When there's no trust in a pending deal, mm-hmm. rarely does a deal get done. Okay? That is just the nature of the world. Okay? There's no trust there. They don't, they don't, they don't believe in each other. They don't believe that, uh, that they're trusted. And that's been earned over the last 20 years. So, but to think that an owner is not involved in a 200 or $300 million at that level, contract, they always, are. they have to be. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, it's Jerry here because this is our town and it's Chicago. And if you want to say they missed out on Machado, you can, I, I think that that's going to turn out to be if it, it is a miss, the best miss that they've had in a long time. And th- that, that it may well end up being a good thing historically that they missed. What's, what's in, indubitable is that they wanted him, they went for it and missed. Yeah. I mean, which happens to uh, a lot of teams. You know, it just happens to be the fact that uh, here th- people thought he would have been a difference maker. And I, I never believed that he would be. And he certainly wasn't a difference maker for the Padres this year. I think on the free agent market, this idea that they are going to... 10 years. That, that, that the White Sox will not be the highest bidder. That, that, that's the, that's the, the conceit, uh, certainly among fans and I think among some agents. So on anybody? Well, for, for people of that size. Do you believe that? I, I think they have to be the undoubt highest bidder. No, I mean, do you believe deals. they won't bid high enough to get the players they want? Um, I don't think they did last year. No, no, China. I said we're, we're talking about this year, moving I, I don't forward. Know. I don't know. I, I would hope that they do. I think they absolutely could. That's for sure. Um, and I think they should, but I don't know. Uh, this is Tony in Downers Grove on 670 The Score. Hello, Tony. How are you? Hey, guys. I'm good. Hey, uh, I've, I've asked a question to you, Matt, and then one for Bruce. Sure. Um, so I, I, you know, I think some technologies help the game, but I always find it interesting when the word "legislate" is put into the conversation because that always wants to be the, you know, seems to be the answer. But Matt, my question for you is: with all the rule changes over the last few years, which ones do you think have actually helped improve the game and, and actually drive viewership higher, uh, Bruce? Hmm. I'll think. I'll think a, about it. As a Sox fan, I'd rather if they were just going to get one player, I'd rather see them get a, a position player as opposed to a pitcher. Um, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Now, tell Next me the time. one you like. I I don't I, I don't have a preference right now. I just want to see a, a a good position player in place. Well, I um, think uh, thanks for. You want to answer first? No, go, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. The more pertinent one. Well, in in my mind, it's it's got to be a uh, top veteran pitcher or two. I would say two, uh, because uh, what they have for starting rotation now is good young arms and one pitcher that has crossed the th- threshold in Giolito to the other side of being one of the more dominant looking pitchers going forward. The other guys are still in player development, and I don't 
I don't think that their rotation is strong enough to project it past 500 without two strong additions. At least one very good one, uh, but I would say two. So to me, it's uh, it's Keuchel and Wheeler, Wheeler and Keuchel. Um, those are the guys that you really want to go after. I think you significantly improve your chances of winning by uh, addressing that. I think position player-wise, if they have money left, you know, I think a guy like Castellanos, but they really need a left-handed bat, and that's what they're looking for right now. In terms of his, um, his question on the rule changes, it's hard to say that any of them have driven viewers, um, but but some of them have been good. I think limiting the mound visits has been sensible. I think that's had a, a minor and yeah, decent yeah. effect. I, I think, uh, you know, Matt, I think the overall view of quickening games is that all – Anything, anything you can do. I think all advertising should be in real time during the game. So we've seen that happen during the playoffs, mm-hmm. where you see, you know, the split the Geico, and you see, and you know, all the broadcaster has to say is, uh, "We'll keep it here, but, but uh, listen to these, uh, you know, special ads right now." And you're still watching what's going on. You're watching the pitcher, you know, still clean his spike out, and you, you you're not missing any action. And on top of that, advertising sales can double, triple, and quadruple, where advertisers know that people aren't turning off that particular game in between innings. Mm-hmm. They can't. Yeah. Okay. So therefore, that mechanism is something that can quicken the game. I think that can change the game by. 15 or 20 minutes if they use it all the time. I'm for that. Um, and some of the other little things like, you know, the, the, the commercial breaks have been have been shortened a little bit. I, I think the one trade deadline was an improvement overall. I think what's going to happen with the September rosters being simplified yeah, it's, it's is an be, improvement overall. It's going to be a drag is what it is, I think, because you're not going to be ha- able to have any waiver movement from August 1st on, Right. And you're not going to be able to add minor leaguers other than a couple the rest of the way. Mm -hmm. So what you have is what's going to happen when you start losing an important player or two in uh, August and September and not being able to replace street free agents come back into play. Like Jonathan Lucroy became a cub. Francisco Cervelli became a brave. They they have to be released first, you know? There's guys out there. There's I mean, guys they're, they're, on a couch come I, back into play. I mean, but they're they're not going to be Bigfoot type players that are going to have an impact for you. So I think they will eventually rethink that because no player adding at all from August on, and no no young players and no extra pitchers when your pitchers are worn out from five and a half months of uh, of competing. I think is a huge mistake. 670, the score is where you are. The bottom of the hour, brought to you by Northwestern Football. Join Northwestern Football at Ryan Field when the Wildcats host Minnesota on November 23rd. Single-game tickets to see Chicago's Big Ten team are on sale now at nusports.com. This segment brought to you by your Chicagoland Papa John's. Papa John's is giving you a free pizza this weekend. Buy one pizza at regular price. Get a second pizza of equal or less value for free. Use promo code FREEPIZZADAY on the Papa John's app or online at papajohns.com. That's promo code FREEPIZZADAY. Anything you want to get to for sure uh, before the top of the hour, Bruce. Got calls up there as well. Let's take one caller and then um, as uh, Matt said, our lines are open until 11.45 today. We have a lot to uh, get to, including you'll hear from Theo Epstein. You will hear from uh, uh, Rick Hahn and uh, you will certainly hear from us on many subjects as we go on. This is Dave in Plainfield on the score. Hey, Dave. 
Three guys I want you. Good. Uh, a couple of things, Bruce. You brought up the three guys I want. A couple of other guys I want to ask you about. There's a guy in Texas that never pronounced his name. It's the right fielder, Mazzara or um, Nomar, whatever his name is. Nomar right Mazzara? Yeah, it's the guy. I, he's a left handed hitter. He's pretty decent. I don't think it would cost you a lot to get him from the Rangers because he's, uh, you know, I don't think they're very happy with him, but I don't know. He's not big and not that good. The other guy is Cole Calhoun, who I think would cost you a lot because he made a lot last year. But to me, Bruce, you're absolutely right on. I think the biggest question I have if they got a Castellanos is your defensively would be really not too good. I mean, if Robert plays center field, he's going to have to gain about 75 or 200 Yeah, he'll, he'll be losing a lot of weight during the season. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, by the time he covers the ground and holds <laughs> yeah. I mean, not there. But the question I have is, if you get a Castellanos, who I think would be perfect in the lineup, he's got an edge to space, which they need. Could he play left field, DH, and make him a backup first baseman? Well, you know, some you know, some of those positions are taken already. I mean, left field is going to be Eloy until further notice. First base is going to be Abreu until further notice. They kind of have to leave uh, the DH spot open for Collins and for Abreu eventually mm-hmm. when Vaughn hopefully makes it through their system within another year. So uh, they have to be careful about long-term commitment to any type of slow-running guy or DH because – you need better outfield defense, and you need to keep that DH spot open for the future. Yeah, Abreu for one year makes a ton of sense. Um, would it still make sense to have him for three years and lock you up with him and Eloy? It kind of does limit your positional flexibility. Yet uh, they're, they're going to continue to – they thought they had a three-year deal done with uh, mm-hmm. Abreu right around 50 to $55 million. Um, that's still a possibility. But right now we know they have them for just one more year. And you're right. Uh, you know, down the line, you have to be able to project your players better than other people do. And if Eloy does not improve defensively, if he becomes a liability not only to the team but to himself by going out there and re-injuring himself in the outfield, he's going to have to be a DH. Or can he play first base? Uh, it's not all that easy when you just say, we're going to throw him over at first base. 670, the score is where you are. It's inside the clubhouse. He's Bruce Levine. I'm Matt Spiegel here for another hour extended today right here on the score. <laughs> Nothing but happiness on the air and off the air here at inside the clubhouse on 670, the score. We were thumb wrestling uh, while we were off. <laughs> He beat my thumb to a pulp. So, Bruce, I'm reading on MLB.com a piece from uh, Richard Justice, uh, just making some predictions on what might happen in this offseason, how the dominoes might fall. And let me read to you this, uh, this paragraph, okay? Seeing nothing promising in free agency, the White Sox do a shock the world trade for the 2018 American League MVP award winner Mookie Betts. They make this deal knowing Betts could be a one-year rental, are willing to pay that price to create a buzz on Chicago's south side. Sure, it costs them second-base prospect Nick Madrigal, who becomes Boston's heir apparent to Dustin Pedroia, but the Chris Sale for Yuan Moncada swap a few years back worked well for both sides. Why not go to the well one more time? Can you imagine an outfield of Betts, Eloy Jimenez, and soon-to-arrive future superstar Luis Robert? Watch out, world. That's Richard Justice. One year? 
You know what it reminds me of? The Toronto Raptors and Kawhi Leonard. When you are not a franchise that historically has attracted the big-time free agents, you go out and you make a deal for a superstar for one year, and you try to convince them this is where you want to be, and in the process, you try to catch lightning in a bottle. But, I, I, I'm not saying it's a great idea, yeah, but no, I, I understand I, it. I, you know, I, I get it. You could say, you know, the, the Cubs could do the same thing. You know, I mean, you, you came up with, I think, um, six weeks ago, we were talking about you know, Bryant for uh, bets. You know, you thought that would be a, a good move, even if it was giving up contract a year in control. Might make more sense if it's uh, one year for each, if we find out the arbitrator decides in Chris's favor, which is uh, highly doubtful. Yeah, I'm intrigued by the idea of two years of Chris Bryant for one year of Mookie Betts, especially if the Cubs would be more inclined to sign him long term, and then there'd have to be some different things to, the to, agent? Make, to make that value. Um but do you think the White Sox would ever go to go all in on a guy as great as Betts for one year without no. the, the the assurance that he would uh, zero, consider zero them to resign? Because they're not that close to being a World Series team. If it was, if they were that close to being a World Series team, and everybody else was established mm-hmm. a year or two from now, <clears throat> it would make total sense. It doesn't make any sense for them at this point, other than saying, hey, we have a great player for one year. Uh, as you say, he could increase our aura that we're an 85-win team now and that we're on the rise, but uh, they're not trading young guys at this point. Nick, Nick Madrigal will be their second baseman by the third week of April, and uh, you know, Yomar Sanchez will likely either take a, a couple-year deal at lesser money or be playing elsewhere mm-hmm. uh, in 2020. I think Mookie's going to go somewhere, though, don't you? Don't they have to with J.D. Martinez picking up that option? Don't you, once you get more for him at the trading deadline than you would right now? I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, it, it, I mean because if it it's a deciding a factor mm-hmm. and you only have two months left and there's no waivers, it's going to be like, yeah, let's, you know, Boston's out of it. You know, they're only projected to win 90 games. Uh, let's let's get the most we can for them. And somebody's going to say, yeah, bets can lead us to a world championship. Right, but if they have to get under the tax by opening day, they need to find a way to unload either David Price, who's a shell of himself at that price. Hard, hard to do. Nady Evaldi, who got hurt last year Impossible. again. Impossible. Or bets. Or, or and Jackie Bradley, who's eleven million yeah, a year, or something like that. Again, if 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 they're more concerned about getting under the luxury tax and winning, then they're going to continue to suck. Oh, this texter Nick Madrigal is closer to Marty Barrett than he is to Dustin Pedroia. I'll take Red Sox second baseman. Marty for Barrett was pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, you need pretty good players. You need guys like Jody you, Reed you or need, Marty Barrett. You need good players. Not everyone's going to be a superstar. <laughs> You need a top-of-the-order hitter. <laughs> more importantly, you need somebody who gets on base more than 30% of the time. Frank is on I-39 and wants to talk about White Sox trade targets. You want Mookie Betts, Frank? Uh, yeah, but not for, for with a long-term contract. Not with a short-term. Not for a one-year deal. I got you. Okay. I got, you, I got two names to throw at you, Bruce. I'm, a group, I'm, I'm all with you on the three players you've been naming. Keiko... Uh, Castellanos and Wheeler. How about two other names I'm going to throw at you? I don't know what these, what the market costs on these two players are, but they fill out the roster. How about Eric James, first baseman? He could probably DH. And how about 
An old White Sox by the name of Daniel Hudson. Daniel Hudson, short reliever, ended the World Series for the Nationals, and Eric Thames, the former Brewer. Yeah, uh, Thames would be nice, but he's so one-dimensional. You know, they have one-dimensional players, don't they? They need more athleticism. Would you rather give left-handed at-bats at first base in DH to Eric Thames or Zach Collins? But but athleticism is not being addressed. Better defense is not being addressed. I, I think it has to be. As far as, um, what was his other? Daniel Hudson. I mean, nice, He's rebuilt you know, himself. It's too, yeah. it's too bad they didn't keep him his whole career instead of trade him for Edwin Jackson, but... Uh, nonetheless, um, <laughs> two Tommy Johns later, how many years is he got left in that arm? That We might have just seen the peak of Daniel Hudson's yep. career. We're going to have to take a break here. We're going to continue to take your phone calls till 1145. Bonus baseball here on the score. 312-644-6767. It's inside the clubhouse. He's Bruce Levine. I'm Matt Spiegel. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.